Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 156. Look at him, he's Geordie LaForge. My name is Josh Canal. <laughs> to my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Uh, it's a busy show. Busy show, big show, lots of stuff. We're, uh, we're going to be speaking to Yael Bergman, who is a producer with Princess Pictures, who, amongst other things, did uh, We Can Be Heroes, Summer Heights High, and that uh, excellent documentary, The Sounds of Oz, from uh, that you may have seen on ABC earlier this year. Hmm. With the uh, well-known Australian John Clark. Well, no, he's a Kiwi. No, no he's, a, he's, he's a Kiwi. Kiwi. It was hilarious. And uh, uh, she'll be talking to us all, all about what it's like to be an independent producer. In Australia. So, that'll be good and interesting. Why am I suddenly echoing, Brett? What have you done? Are you? Oh, I don't know. It seemed like it. None of my cans. Right. For a short while, it felt like I was in a tunnel. Mm. But, <laughs> charging on. <laughs> uh, we've got an I Don't Buy It. We're going to talk about uh, watching television in public places, which I think is... Uh, it's, <laughs> you make it sound dirty. That's... <laughs> It right. seems, it yeah, seems like I a dirty let's, idea. Let's do a section about you know, embracing the world and loving each other, but no, you made it sound dirty. Embracing oh. the world and loving each other, that sounds dirty. <laughs> well, yeah, it does. There's an L there, though. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we've, uh, we've got a, a little bit on shark jumping. We've got some letters to box cutters. We've got the box cutters quiz. Maybe if there's time, and honestly, I doubt it, uh, there'll be some pork. But as always, let's kick things off with the box cutters news. The Nine Network has uh, cut some production and studio staff in Melbourne. They, uh, they've confirmed that less than 10 full-time employees were offered redundancies, which were accepted by almost all of them. So that feels like nine people were offered redundancies and eight <laughs> took it. Uh, but they, uh, they're working towards what uh, Jeffrey Brown, who's uh, executive director at Nine, says... Uh, a workforce that will include more run-of-show people rather than full-time employees. So Channel 9 is working more towards becoming a, uh, I, I don't know, I suppose a contract basis uh, employer rather than a full-time employer. And, uh, you know, when Ray Punja was in the studio talking to us, it really felt like Nine was uh, a family and people worked together and worked closely together and had everyone's back. That's so, before it was a corporate business, Josh. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, it, it, is, it is remarkable to, to see the change. And it's no time for dinosaurs anymore. It's, uh, it, it also seems quite late in, in the industry for this to be happening to, to Channel 9 because I think uh, 10 and 7, for, for a large part, have been doing things like this for a while. The ABC and, did this as well, well a, yes. a little while back. Yeah, they, they definitely... Well, I've had a number of stages of it. The latest yeah. one was uh, the Natural Histories Department uh, being shut down and uh, mm-hmm. them talking about it, all of that sort of stuff being outside produced. So, you know, while we might see it as a sign of Channel 9 struggling, it really is more a, a sign of Channel 9 coming up to date with the rest of the networks and uh, and working the way that... Uh, that the other networks do in, in a modern climate. I think it's, still it's a, it's a sad, very different though, world. In a way, you know, it's still sad to think that, um, like, cause when you're at the ABC, you can see that at one point, this was a place that churned out material, you know, yes. people had, had ongoing jobs, you know, year in, year out and doing wardrobe and costume and, 
staging because there was always countdown and then you know a crime drama and then that countdown mm. crime drama that and because really there was in. so much production going on there there was lots of work that that people could come in on exactly. and, then, and yes. then keep on working so sad thing channel nine's now also admitted that there's just not that much work anymore. yes yes and they're uh they're they're uh no, I was going to make some terrible joke about them outsourcing uh, script writing to, uh, to to third world and developing countries. But it's lucky you didn't do that. It's yeah. lucky. Yeah, it probably wouldn't it's have lucky. worked. No, wouldn't That's, have worked. Yeah, good, good we, we headed that off. Really just bypassed that <laughs> completely. I, I thought you were going to talk about outsourcing the building of uh, tables and chairs for their news sets on the weekends. Oh, yeah, no. they are uh, standing up new. <laughs> clearly just, it wasn't delivered yes. in time. They, they, just, they just can't afford the chairs no. anymore. Uh, apparently... Nine chairs were offered redundancy payments, <laughs> and uh, eight chairs took them. Now they've only got two chairs left. John Richards. Um, yes, I've got a bit of news here about um, uh, Joss Whedon, who gave the world Buffy the Vampire Slayer, for which we will always thank him. Um, and Firefly. And Firefly, which I hear. Oh, yeah, mixed, mixed Firefly, let's, let's put it that way. Um, Controversy. His new show, Dollhouse, which has been much looked forward to, but also um, it's been beleaguered, I think we might say, beleaguered. It's a confusing concept, John. It, it finally has a date, because there's been much you know, um, queries over this, and it's been delayed many times. Um, what is it about? It's, it's a sort of crime spy drama... With vampires? You, no, no, no vampires. It's uh, it's about uh, people who get their memories wiped after uh, performing uh, spy-like duties. Uh, which mm-hmm. is, if anyone's seen the uh, the new Christian Slater series, My Own Worst Enemy, it feels a, a little bit like it's going to be like that, but more confusing. Well, I believe it has Eliza Dushku in it. Well, or, or am I'm I lying? watching. No, I believe she is in it. She played Faith in Buffy. She's very good. It's finally got a date um, for premiering. The date, however, is January the 13th, which is a Friday. And apparently in America, a Friday usually means your show is, yes, is not going to last long. Well, it's it's already had problems. We've reported before that uh, he's had to create a new first episode and the the original pilot is actually now going to be the second episode uh, because it was apparently just too confusing for people. Hmm. So it is beleaguered. You're right in Poor saying Joss. that. Poor Joss. We love Joss, but we're not convinced that, yes. Don't, I'm, I'm convinced. I'm with him 100, 100%. I just think it might be Firefly all over again. I liked Firefly! <laughs> Brett. Firefly was good. Uh, talking of... Uh, no, that's it. That's your news. Talking about <laughs> beleaguered television. Um, well, perhaps it's not beleaguered television. ABC 2's new news breakfast show. Um, hasn't uh, set the ratings afire with only 8,000 people nationally tuned in to uh, watch it. It does well, have a great thing to This is ABC2. It's not, it's not Channel 2. It's not, it's not our traditional Channel 2, which is now ABC1. It's uh, the only on uh, digital uh, set-top boxes. Um, Oztown ratings figures showed zero viewers for the show in <laughs> Brisbane, Perth, and it's home of Melbourne, uh, but uh, their recorders don't accurately record below one thousand viewers. In fact, what was what what did our, our per people meter person come down to? Wasn't it twenty thousand people per person? Yes. Yeah. Isn't it yeah. being broadcast? I heard it was being produced in Perth. Is that a lie? Is it actually being done in Melbourne? Yeah, it's being done in Melbourne. I, I think it's pretty much on the inside. If they set, if they, if they, if they, if they'd have to do a live 
breakfast show in Perth. That, was, that would be yes, at like timing, 2 o'clock the timing, in the morning. The timing was going to be insanely out. That, this is the story, yes, I had heard. So obviously someone decided not to do that. Um, I also heard this is meant to be a test run for doing a 24-hour kind of... Yeah, CNN-style ABC News Channel, which would be well, great. Barry I Cassidy's think. talking about uh, what he says. We're trying to get something brand new going, and this is the first leg in a very long journey towards a 24-hour news cycle. He'd be very yeah. tired being on that set for 24 hours. Yes. Is it Virginia Trioli? Well, especially on, on the cycle. Yes. She looks very tired. I must admit, I've watched it a few times. <laughs> and, and, you know... But oh, Paul Virginia, come it's on. just her no, no, face. No, but bless yes. them all. But, but both her and, and, and that guy who's 400 years old, who's the co-host. Barry Cassidy. Yes. They, they, they both just look exhausted every time I've seen it. And occasionally they forget to turn Brian's microphone on, which is also a little oh, bit really? worrying. So, but again, uh, test the, run. The crew know, is snoozing as well. Yeah. And also want to say a very, very good theme tune. And hello to Destination Moon, who I believe listened to this, who actually wrote the theme tune oh. for... One of the unfortunate consequences of uh, the new news show on ABC2 is that they're no longer repeating Media Watch and Four Corners um, in the morning anymore, which uh, is unfortunate because that was when I was recording it. And suddenly <laughs> ah. Barry Cassidy last week looking for Media Watch. It's going, you're not David Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Get off my television. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's morning. I want to watch the Partridge yeah. Family. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you're saying, yeah. Brett. You turned on and thought, it's Cat Weasel. What's Cat Weasel doing? <laughs> <But> no. <laughs> Brian Cassidy. Ah, Cat Weasel. While we're on the ABC, uh, the ABC has released uh, its list of planned shows for 2009, including a new series for John Safran, uh, which is his first for the ABC after the whole Ray Martin controversy, which I think is is, is quite interesting. It's called John Safran's Race Relations, and it's an eight-part series, but that's really all they're telling us about it. All they're saying is, John Safran, hooray! ABC, hooray! John Safran's race relations—that's the name, and that's that's all they're telling us about it. That's Not- it. Because like the, the the whisper on the street, uh, probably a year ago, was that he was uh, involved in some project for an, uh, for a US uh, production house. Is, would that be it? Or would that be something think different? So, the, but the, he has he has done some travel. Word, for, word for is that's an international shoot than the new yeah. John Safran show. So it is apparently filmed around the world. Uh, also in the list of ABC shows is a new project for Zapruder's other films called Project Next. With Next is in capital letters, mm-hmm. so it has to be shouted. It's internet shouty. A, a ten-part series which searches for the next generation of Australian television talent. And also something that I'm really looking forward to is a documentary by John Sylvester and Andrew Rule, who were the writers of the Underbelly books, mm-hmm. uh, called Death, Drugs and Betrayal. What's it about? Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's it's about uh, you know, just being in year nine. And so that's that's uh, separate to the prequel to Underbelly. Yes, that's completely separate to the prequel to to Underbelly, which will be uh, on Channel Nine. Mm-hmm. And a lot more uh, Sydney centric, from what I hear. Yes, uh, but I, I I really you know at the at the launch of Underbelly, I heard John Sylvester speak, and John Sylvester telling the stories about the characters in Underbelly was so much more entertaining than the show was. And, well, you're uh, no fan of the show. Well, I was no fan of the show, but he was his, his storytelling was just I- exceptional. And I, I would much rather sit through uh, nine hours of him just telling me the stories because he, he adds so much colour. I think, uh, I think the, the two uh, working together on a documentary, Sylvester and Rule, will, uh, w- will come up with some great storytelling as well. I'm really looking forward to that. That's uh, ABC 2009. John. 
uh, piece from Sunday Age um, just gone past about the the dumping grounds that is summer. Um, it was quite interesting. All the channels now saying this quote here as part of the article from Nine's Melbourne programmer Len Downs saying a couple of years ago we all started thinking we should try and get a balance with our summer scheduling rather than just using it as a dumping ground. So they're talking about trying out new shows, um, giving shows a bit of a lead up that maybe might not work. Oh, how many how many shows can we count that uh, have done two episodes and then been pulled off? Well, to... yeah, so exactly. Um, it mentions here that, that 10 will be running 90210, um, 9 will be showing Fringe. Um, there's new episodes of Temptation, ER, The Gift, The Waiting Room, which are both medical-based observational documentaries. Mm. Um, uh, Bill also says here, they've mentioned the idea of Seven has said it's like having an off-Broadway start. And they mentioned that Bones and Criminal Minds both started over summer. And so they're going to try and use that for, for some of the new programs. And there's a list including um, Eli Stone, which I've always been kind of curious to see. I think has already been cancelled in the US. I, I think so. It's, but uh, I'm not entirely sure. The, the premise is a lawyer with an inoperable brain aneurysm starts hallucinating. His visions turn out to be prophetic. Part Ali McBeal, part Field of Dreams. It regularly guest stars George Michael. <laughs> and, you know, you'd watch that. Yeah. And SBS has a show called Carla Comedy PD, which is exactly like every other show they've ever had. So, um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Vince Colosimo is a cop. That will be interesting. Oh, I've, I've never, I've never heard of such a thing. Uh, also, interesting. Uh, was that the article from the Age? That it was. Uh, yes. Uh, that uh, Peter Andrews from uh, Channel Ten, is the uh, network program manager at Channel Ten, said, "We don't call it summer. We call it December January." And that 10 are going to be uh, trying to do some interesting things with their time slots, trying to have themed time slots. So, th- so they're using the, the time for experimentation. And uh, the, uh, th- with their themed time slot, they're thinking like 7.30pm for entertainment, 8.30pm for drama, and 9.30pm for more hard-hitting, adventurous programming. Uh, isn't that just what they do now, anyway? It does seem a bit... Yeah, good. and also to put them in hours like that, because surely it works better for things like the ABC going, Wednesday is our comedy night. Yes. You know, so people know yeah, what they're getting when they tune in. And, and I think the ABC has done a really good job of, of promoting that as well, that mm-hmm. Wednesday is comedy night, and, and, and we all know that. Uh, 10HD is obviously doing science fiction night now on a, uh, at least one of them. So it's interesting where they have a line of three or four science fiction shows. It's actually like a four-hour block. Which is you know, an interesting way of approaching Well, that, that won't be around for long because uh, Channel 10, it's been announced, has spent $30 million on the broadcast rights for the 2014 Commonwealth Games in Glasgow, Scotland, which will be going on to their one channel, which is to be the 24-hour digital sports channel. Uh, we actually got a letter about that this week. Uh, is it HD? We're presuming it takes over well, from the HD channel. One channel. always has been HD, so right. I'm assuming that it is only uh, you'll have to have a a, a down converter. So they're only going to show the Commonwealth there. Games on on channel um, one, or they're going to show uh, some of the Commonwealth Games on channel one and some on regular. I believe it's all going to be on one, which uh, does kind of raise some questions about uh, the anti-siphoning laws. Yes, yes, um, it does. But, but you know, considering we're that nobody six cares years away. about and analog TV will have been switched off. Yes, but HD won't be compulsory. Uh, the uh, and it also. Uh, but will you be able to get a set-top box at that point? By that point, that doesn't do HD. Well, that's yeah. That that, that is a an interesting mm. question. Mm. I look into my crystal ball and I say 
Yes, but only at Aldi. The uh, <laughs> uh, the the uh, no, I've forgotten what I was uh, going to say now. Completely forgotten. Sounded very authoritative, though. Thanks, thanks. That's, I believed it. That's what I was going for. <laughs> that's what I was going for. Uh, a while back, we uh, we we mentioned. Well, not a while back. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we talked about the CW going to be doing a, a show about the Graysons. That's the Country Western Network. It's not. It's, it's not the Country Western Network. It's not. It's it's just a network called CW. It, it came. It comes from CBS and Warner Brothers who. Combined to to create. No this. one cares. Warner no Brothers. One cares. Yeah. Finally, you've admitted it. <laughs> the uh, go on. Anyway, uh, so we talked about the Graysons uh, not happening. That's it. <laughs> really? That's it. Uh, it was it was going to happen, uh, but has been pulled. What was that? Is in uh, Dick Grayson? Yes. Uh, this is uh, so gonna, the family of. This Robin. is going to be a, about Dick Grayson. Before he met Batman ah, in a so, Smallville so, kind of scenario. Yes. Curiously, this week DC Comics has announced actually cancelling. I think it's three Batman-related titles as well. well. That so, will only make it fifteen now. <laughs> no, I think this is the idea. They've gone. We have too many that no one reads, and these are the ones that were all kind of extended Batman family. So perhaps there's I, perhaps everyone's Batmaned out. I don't know. Maybe there's a you know. I, I remember doing a count in uh, I think it was like 1998. And there was something like, a, at one point, 23 Superman titles in DC. Mm-hmm. It's too many. It's way too many. I think uh, less Batman, more concentrated Batman. That's what the world needs. <laughs> more concentrated Batman. So, uh, at, at the same time, uh, the uh, uh, Cartoon Network in the States uh, is doing a new uh, Batman animated TV series as well. That's uh, Batman news. <laughs> oh, and Batman news this week, uh, John. Uh, I, I want to know about the American election. I, I, well, you know, I'm obsessed. I have enjoyed it all the way. It was a great series. Well done, all the writers. Um, the characters were interesting and well rounded. I believe them all. Um, giving the female characters kids weird names like Trig and, and, and Bristol that was going a bit too far. So hopefully next season they, they'll they'll pull back on that. Um, no, there's, there's actually how, this. How was Corbin Burns and how did he go? He was good. It? Yeah, he was good. Yeah, nice. small role but important. Um, this is actually partly used, partly letters to box cutters. Um, Jimbo left a comment on the blog um, saying, much has been made of the spooky psychic abilities of the West Wing's writers in the last two seasons. Earlier this year, they admitted they'd based Matt Santos, or Matt Santos, as he kept mm-hmm. being called in the show, on Barack Obama after the latter's 2004 convention speech. And he included a link to a story from The Guardian. And it's really quite fascinating that the West Wing writers, when bringing in the... Um, the plucky young kind of you know ethnic contender for the democratic role were partly inspired by the speech Obama gave in 2004 and started using him as as their as their template. So Jimmy Smith was actually playing Barack Obama the whole time. Sorry, who who? Jimmy Smith, Bobby Simone. Yeah, was playing Barack Obama. <laughs> he was, and there's a little list from the um, from this because also the other thing that also turned up in that last series of The West Wing was that the um, Republican that he was competing against 
was an Arnold old Vinnick. Was yes, was an older Maverick senator from the American West whose liberal positions on some issues had earned the distrust of the party's conservative base. So basically, mm. they were just yeah. Well, interestingly, also in the West Wing, there were no uh, lawyers sent out to challenge any of the results, as we saw last week in the actual U.S. election. It was very odd that it, it basically yeah, yeah. almost and, and it did occur to me. I I did wonder if we hadn't seen that storyline in the West Wing, if it would have been such a landslide to Obama. Do you think what people were primed? I, people were ready. I think that people definitely had kind of processed the thought of having a, a non-Anglo president. Well, you could say that's Dennis Haysbert from Twenty Four then as well, couldn't you? Everyone wanted Dennis Haysbert to be their president. Um, who? What? The first? No, not, the f- not everybody watched Twenty Four, but everybody did watch. It was the law. Watched uh, West Wing. See, no, I, I, I'm fairly sure. I'm oh, you fairly missed sh- that law? Yeah, yeah. I, miss, I missed that law. That completely. was an American law. Oh right. Well, right. that's that's why I yeah. Anyway, that is the Boxcutters News. Hi, this is television Scott Brennan. Apparently there's no N in Boxcutter. This is the Boxcutters. There is, however, an N in Yael Bergman. <laughs> Welcome to Boxcutters, Yael. You're uh, the, uh, one of the people involved at Princess Pictures, which is an Australian independent television production company. Yep. And uh, one of your big projects was uh, the uh, Australian Accent Yep. Documentary that the, we saw on on ABC. The sounds of of Oz. Oz. The sounds Is it? of Oz. All right. the sounds of yep. Oz. Yep. Uh, and uh, yeah, we really just brought you in to to talk about what it is that makes. Hang on, I'll start that whole thing again. I, I really want to know how easy or difficult it is to be an independent television producer in Australia. Because it, it seems like uh, for, for the ABC, where all of Princess Pictures productions have, have aired, including Summer Heights High and We Can Be Heroes, uh, that uh, it, it's a lot easier to get a deal with the ABC than it is, say, with uh, one of the commercial networks who tend to have already established... Uh, partnerships with uh, be it Southern Star or uh, mm. Fremantle or you know one of the mm. really big producers and tend to do co-productions which is mm. what Channel 7 does a, a, a lot of the time you will see Channel 7's logo at the end of a Channel 7 program mm. so how do you get a show up as an independent producer? Oh, that's a good question um, <laughs> um, well it's funny you talk about the co-production because we've well, you know, in the in the, I mean, Princess Pictures has been around for about I don't know, I think it's almost five years now, and it was started by Laura, Laura Waters, and I started working with her. I mean, she made Eagle and Evans, and then I started working with her on We Can Be Heroes, and since we made, and then we made Summer Heights High, but we also made The Sounds of Oz, and we made Stuff, which mm-hmm. with Wendy Harmer. So, um, so this is sort of in the last few years, you know, this is kind of, we've done a lot of stuff for the ABC and, you know, I mean, some of those, like Summer Heights High is officially, and We Can Be Heroes were co-productions with the ABC. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, so, and, but, you know, and and then it's it's sort of just kind of how things kind of come together because, you know, the documentaries were you know, produced by us at Princess, but licensed to the ABC, just as a technical thing. Um, so, so what's the difference between something that's uh, co-produced with a network and, and independently produced? Um, do, does the network have much interference? Do they, uh, do, do they have much say in what happens in, um, the, in the show? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you share a few things and they, they give you probably some more resources when you're, it's a co-production and legally you have have to share copyright. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, I mean, that's really the main thing, um, the copyright, because with um, the documentaries, for example, we didn't, you know, the copyright stays with us. So we own, we own the production. We don't, um, ABC don't have any ownership of that. They just, all they have is a licence to, to broadcast. So in a case like uh, in, in the US this week, we can be, uh, sorry, uh, Summer Heights High uh, aired on HBO, which would have been a huge windfall, I'm, I'm guessing, financially for the producers of the show. It's, it's a guess. Uh, ABC would get a share of that. Um, I, and- look, uh, I don't really want to, I can't not really liberty to talk about okay. that. <laughs> it's a good question, but, um, you know, I mean, they, ABC had to sort of be involved in some of those discussions, yeah. Right. So, but... Um, it was, you know, and that's, and that's, yeah, they had to sort of extract some rights and da-da-da, but whatever. It all kind of, in order for HBO to, to broadcast it, they needed to be able to transfer it over. But, yeah, it's, it's all good. Can I ask, uh, with Princess yeah. in the position you're in now, mm. you know, where, where, I mean, because Summer Heights High is, is I, I'm guessing, the most successful Australian show probably for years. I mean... It's been good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it aired on HBO. I can't think yeah. of another Australian show that's that's no. aired in its original that's format right. in the prime time. You know, I could, uh, uh, King Kings, Kingswood Country, D- Daily at Dawn. No, 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 not on HBO. No, no. Not HBO. <laughs> but um, I mean, does that put you in a position now? Can you can you get projects up? Like, can you go? Um, I've got this thing. I I've, I've been wanting to make. You know, my dream thing about a, a talking car. That for you mean in America or, or anywhere here? Here, here. Yeah. Does, it, does it give you that power as a producer to um, to smash open doors and slam your, your fist on the, the desk? And um, I think, you know, I think when you have something that does well, like when, like something like, you know, a, a show that does well, um, you know, you have more uh, opportunity, I guess, because because you know, people have more confidence <laughs> in your ability as a yeah. producer, you know. It just it just simply works like that. So it's – and it's, you know, and I, obviously we as producers, you know, we really work very, very hard each time for each show. Um, I say that to you, John, knowing that – Oh, yeah, so I think it's slightly <laughs> uncomfortable. Sorry, 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 we, yeah, sorry, we should disclaim because we have talked before that I do currently have a TV show with Princess Pictures right. being developed for the ABC. Yep. So, so yes, um, Yael yep. is my producer, so we're all being very nice to each other. So, <laughs> so basically what, what you're asking in that question that you asked no is – No swearing. What's going on with my show, bitch? No, no, no. How no, no, easy no. would it be for John's show to get onto HBO? Yeah. Yeah, HBO. No, no, no. What, what I'm actually curious is, like, do you find yourself like Channel 10 now, you know, bringing in a wheelbarrow full of money and going, uh. we want a copy of that? Like, are they... So, sorry, you know, but before you answer, yeah, Channel yeah. 10 do not have a wheelbarrow full of money. Oh, okay, yes, bad choice. <laughs> they probably have a wheelbarrow. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Does Channel 10 come in with a wheelbarrow and go, look at our shiny wheelbarrow. Can you make us a show? Like, do, do they now come to you yeah. for, um, for that kind of, you know, magic that you can give them that, Yeah, you know... You know I think it's 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 one of those things, you know, that um, I think when you do something well, everybody goes, "Oh, what was that about?" You know, how do you do that again? You know, I I want a bit of that. So it, it does come up, of course. You know that there's a kind of um, an interest, but it's not. You know, we're we're quite um, careful about 
what we make and we like to we're very selective in doing things that we really feel very passionately about so that we only can invest energy you know we have to a lot of energy goes into every single program show or film that we you know that we intend to do and then ultimately make so um it's it, so we're quite so that's even like if you know a network comes to us a commercial network or any network and says oh i really want to do something just like that can you organize that for us um it would have to be a pretty special idea for us to jump into that mm-hmm. and then invest another year of our lives you know um but you know it's 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 as as a kind of company we're evolving quite a lot you know we sort of the foundation i mean you know with Laura set it up you know she'd worked in, in a few different a few different networks in different capacities and i'd come from um you know i've, I've done a very you know various things but amongst which were was writing so um so really kind of we're we're evolving and you know anything's possible mm-hmm. Actually, while we're talking about that, just to go back on your career a little bit, because um, I'm quite fascinated. You, you were a co-writer on one of my favourite Australian movies, um, BMX Bandits. <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> lo- love and Other Catastrophes. You're actually, yeah. You co-wrote the screenplay. And, uh, and, co- and co-produced it. And co-produced it, yeah. So I'm curious, how, how did you get from there to, to here, where it seems like you've, you've sort of given up... Have you given up the writing? Do you... Um, no, not really. I mean, it, it it was an interesting process that I went through because that was the first film that I had ever had anything to do with, let alone written. And um, I'd been desperate to desperate to get into film. Like I I did anything and everything I could um, at that when I was a student. To I you know I volunteered at the film festival every year. I just you know I went to every course I could go to. I just did everything. And I just wanted to keep, you know, and then eventually something kind of, it was a weird kind of thing that happened when I met Emma Kate and Stavros and and everything sort of came together. And we, we met, we wrote that film and it all kind of, you know, with this kind of flurry of optimism and, you know, no fear because <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. Um, just did it. And it was, and so a lot of that, a lot of the kind of creation of that was something that, like, it's something that I'd always wanted to do, but so there it was and. It was all very exciting. Um, made a film and then it was did really well, which which was like made me very surprised at the time. Um, and you know, because literally going from university, I went, I finished university, and then about three months later, I was writing that script um, with that team. And you know, meanwhile working at Sports Girl, and. Uh, <laughs> And then I remember in the process, and we were like, you know, raising money out of credit cards and family and friends and things. It was really on the bottom of the barrel kind of stuff. But so once I, and then we were all on the dole, which was the other joke. I remember all, like everybody, the whole crew were on the dole. And then um, we got to, and then, you know, within a few months, it sort of all kind of took off well, a few months, but well, you know, we finished it. And, and then, yeah, May of the following year, we were in Cannes and, you know, like selling his film and, and you know, getting all this attention, and it was sort of a woo. That really kind of was a big change of life very quickly. I mean, that's such a it's a it's almost like the um, the standard sort of film story, isn't it? It's the you know the filmmaker struggles, and then there's the huge breakthrough, and yeah, you know, and then it's and yet um, in Australia it seems to be that doesn't necessarily go on to further stuff because Emma Kate Krogan and, and uh, Stavros were both you know really sold as, as next big things for quite a while, and they seem to have. 
fall well, off the radar a little bit. Yeah, I mean Emma Kate's in New York, and you know she's she's still working on projects over there. She's writing a lot. Um, I, don't, I think you know Stavros has made a couple of films since. Um, but yeah, so I mean that was a, it was a very incredible time. It really was. I mean, I, I, even when I think back at the time, I, I think at the time, you know, you sort of wonder whether it'll or you know that will always be and you know that was I mean it was it was a great thing but then I came back and I had to sort of really um start and it was brilliant because all these producers that I'd been sending my CV to for you know for quite a few years going Mm. please can I be a runner please can I be a production assistant please can I be something they suddenly were calling me like can you write for me can you do this for me you know and that was really wonderful um and, you know, at the time, so I chose to write for a while because I thought that's really what... I know that um, the foundation of anything is really the script. So I wanted to learn... I just wanted to practice it, do it a lot. And so I did it for a few years and then I got depressed. <laughs> <laughs> As one does. You know, I mean, writing is a hard profession. You know, it's not... It's a really... It's, it, 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 you know, need, you need a lot of skill and which and also in yeah. in Australia there is a lot of rejection in uh, in TV writing. Yeah. It's, it seems to be a quite a closed shop. Yeah, it, it, um, there are the people that get all the work. There is a lot of that because and it, look, it makes sense as well. I do understand. You know, when you, and now wearing the producer's hat, you want to work with people who you know can can sort of deliver. So you work with the mm. people that have got that track record, and you don't. Giving new people a go is quite a, is a risk always, so you know. So anyway, I, it was it was this weird thing because I was sort of not one of those people that would write for, um, you know, those long running TV shows at that time. Look, neighbors and Home and Away. Yeah, or, I yeah. wasn't. I kind of wasn't fitting into that. Um, but you know, I, I mean, I just really, I just kept at it and at it and at it, and I kept going. You know, and then I worked. I did the Secret Life of Us gig for a while, and I was sort of a story consultant with them for you know for um, second season and you know I was writing all my own stuff and and really but when I say I, th- I think personally I'm I the, my favorite time is always when I'm working with other people not working on my own mm-hmm. so I'm just that's my like always as a writer I was if I was working in a team or working you know doing a workshop or collaborating I was in my element and like ideas would flow and it would all be good but I'm sitting at home on my own it was just like okay, you know. <laughs> what's what's the timeline in creating a, a a show? Somebody comes to Princess Pictures with an mm-hmm. idea. Uh, is, is that how it works? Is that how it starts? And then, well, how long does it take from that point until uh, the show actually goes to air? Um, that's a really really great question because it's it's. Um, there's not an answer to that that works for everyone or every mm-hmm. show. Um, there is sometimes, you know, like in your situation, John, <laughs> where, you know... Awkward. I mean, <laughs> 28 years! <laughs> they well, tell me when I'm 50, it'll be on. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, there is, a, there is an organic kind of um, evolution with any... you know project that starts from an idea through you know and so we get things i mean we we tend to get material that um um it comes at different stages of development like we've we've really there's there's a i mean when i say television we're about we're actually in the in the throes of hopefully going to make a film next year okay so that's about to 
happen. Um, in fact, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, only a few weeks away from finding out if it's 100% done. You know, it's right. all ready to go. But if that is true, then we'll be making it in January. So it's very exciting. But that, that's a project that, you know, we've um, – it's with Peter Hellier and he's um, – He's written it, and you know we've developed it in house. And you know, it's it's. I've been working on that for about four years. Okay, mm-hmm. but it's just because Peter's so you know he's so busy. Um, so it just takes it takes a while, and you just whenever you have chunks of time, you just throw yourself at it. But it depends. I mean, that so that's a film scenario. But but say uh, the uh, the the documentary Sounds of Oz. Yeah, that was a really quick. That had a really quick. Um, gestation it was really i mean incredibly so and so much so that the people who work at the funding bodies were saying like it was one of the fastest projects ever to go through the system and come out at the other end within like almost a 12 month period i was going to ask about the sound of us because the weird thing about that is it's such it's such an obvious idea in some ways that like you kind of go why hadn't it been done before it feels like an idea that should have been yeah like the minute minute it's said you go of course that makes perfect sense a documentary about the accent yeah that's and right. Yeah. Yeah, and it kind of so. I mean, where did where did that one originate well, from? Well, um, uh, well, Laurie Zion um, came, you know, sort of marched into the Princess Pictures once. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, kind of like that. He, I, in fact, I remember um, I, I was on a I was on a plane. I got off the plane. At, um, I'd been in Toronto, and I and I landed, and there was a message from Laurie. Can you meet me for a coffee? And he'd been talking to Laura about this idea, just you know. And Laura had said, "Talk to Earl." So. I met him for a coffee the next day. And so that was between that time, that was, I remember that was October. It's been a year since I went to air. So it was two years before that. So three years ago now um, we, we met and really it took a year of, of kind of from that idea. And that the idea was sort of initially, I mean, Laurie was, you know, Laurie's, you know, he's very in tune with, popular culture and culture and that's what he does so but that was and it was a great idea and but you know to find the angle on it was the trick um and the very first idea that we worked with was the idea of making a documentary purely about the accent in cinema and when we realized how much that was going to cost in terms of you know archive and rights Mm -hmm. we just we just went nah like that's that can't be so then we sort of took um you know laurie is such a you know, incredible researcher. He just went out there and, and started to talk to linguists and whatever, and and um, and we started to sort of find a story that was broader than that, and that was really about how the accent evolved. And um, so that and that was so we did. And look, the thing is that the funding bodies, um, you know, created a bit of a structure for us. It's weird. I've I've had this. Someone asked me the other day about how this kind of works and how long things take and. Weirdly, and I, if, if, you know, whatever one wants to say about the funding bodies, I can, I, in this sense, you know, the, the structure of their kind of meetings like, <laughs> gives you something to, to work to. Because mm-hmm. in that way, we, you know, I mean, we would have done, maybe, probably would have done it anyway, but it certainly we went, okay, by this date, we have to have a synopsis. You know, by this date, we have to have a treatment. By this so, date. So it's just a series of deadlines. A series of deadlines. In order to, in order to get the money that yeah. they're promising you. Yeah. Pretty much. But in yeah. that case, you effectively went in with the idea. So you, you, you went to them kind of going, here's the concept. Yeah. Was that sort of the... Well, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. But and I guess with that, you know, it's interesting you say about, like, it's, it's an idea that should have or could have been made before. Because it is one of those things that, you know, I mean, I always think back at the things that I've done and, and I think about the, the one... You know, and I've been lucky because I've worked on really successful projects. It's just happened, you know. Um, and I think just people realise a good idea when they see it. You know, it's one of those weird 
things. Like, and that was with the accent. Everybody responded to it so positively. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it was just right. So that's why when you know, this lady, you know, um, who works at a funding body, said, you know, it's one of the fast. It's it's moved through one of the fastest. It's one of the fastest documentaries ever to move through the system. It was because everybody saw that that this is an idea that needs to be set. Like needs needs to happen you know mm-hmm. we all need to see a documentary about the australian accent so off it went you know <laughs> it had a life of its own how uh does something like that which i, I don't know i see as, as quite parochial mm. sell to an international market because i mean that's that's the other thing we, we, we're such a small market in australia that uh my understanding is to create anything it needs to have some kind of outside sales capacity. You're about for that particular documentary. I'm talking about for, for that particular documentary, but but generally, I mean, because I, I also notice HBO picks up Chris Lilly with Summer Heights High yep. and not We Can Be Heroes, which I think is a, a much more Australian story. And uh, uh, you know, I I would have done it the other way around if I was HBO, because I think We Can Be Heroes is. Is stronger, mm. has stronger characters, has uh, has better storytelling. Mm. Sorry, that's my alarm. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, but yes. Yeah. But yeah, so, when when something that is so it, very much Australian, yeah. needs to, needs to be sold overseas. How does that work? Um, well, this is a good this is a good point. Um, the international market is a is you know it's it's got as it's so outside it's not the obvious but you know there's the australian domestic and then there's the international and um and the two and that and you know the the culturally things don't always you don't always kind of match what we create doesn't always sell to the Mm -hmm. outside world you know um but it depends what you make i mean dramas tend to sell really well you know australian dramas and you know i don't know um you know like you know, with her home and away, but I've you know I've when I've ever I've travelled I've you know spent time in other countries and sometimes I turn water on water rats water rats water is rats. on oh, yeah. everywhere yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's every you single know, country is playing water rats you know and I know um you know quite, quite a lot of children's well Jonathan Schiff's stuff exactly. sells so well yeah overseas. yeah so so you know there's there's a market for that and documentary you know documentary doesn't really have a big market internationally it's I mean you know. Some programs do and some don't. Depends what they are. You know, they. Um, I mean, The Sounds of Oz has sold hasn't really sold internationally yet. <laughs> so um, we're waiting for it. We've got a few airline. It, it did deals. play in festivals though, didn't it? Didn't it play? Um, in... Well, we actually got a we we got a wonderful award in Chicago last. Oh, yeah, when was it? It was this year. It was this year we got a Gold Hugo Award? It was Chicago Film Festival Television Award. So, um, and there was an international award for best. Um, best documentary in arts and humanities. So okay, that was really that's good. excellent. Yeah, that was really it was a big compliment. Um, but it, you know, it was one of those things. It, it could have gone to festivals, maybe, but um, more. We sent it to a few. I, I think it's quite. It's something that the Australians get, and internationally, it's sort of. It's just. It's not as relevant to them. Um, it's not as relevant sometimes. I mean, but, you know, you never know. I think it also, one of the things that, you know, our sales agent has told us is that it has a long life. <laughs> so it's not going to date, mm-hmm. which is good. Well, so. yeah, that that is something. And is that something that you look for in a project as well? Uh, um, something that... That won't date. That won't necessarily date, that can be sold and unsold and... Um, it depends. I mean, ideally, it depends what it is that we're trying to create. Like, 
there's a project I'm thinking of at the moment and, you know, it's sort of, it could go either way. It could either go kind of more current affairs-ish mm-hmm. or it could go more universal, stand back, look at the look at the culture that we have, you know, and, and, and so, you know, and I mean, we want, we would prefer to go the more universal direction because we're not making current affairs programs at the moment, but, you know, that's, it depends on the sort of it, what it is because if it's relevant, I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah, that's, it depends what's, it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the idea is really to make, I think the idea is to make things that, make programs that touch people and that resonate and that if, and that, it, and the more universal that story, the better. Yep. So, you know, so it's not when, you know, and it depends. I mean, if you're talking about documentary, well, you know, you've got to, you work with whatever that idea is and wherever it, you know, sometimes it has a, a life outside of Australia, sometimes it doesn't. But it, when talking about comedy, you know, again, I mean, you hope that it is universal and it will sell and it's it's obviously wonderful if it does. So, Well, yeah, El Bergman from mm. Princess Pictures, thank mm. you so much for joining us on Box Cutters. Pleasure. Uh, for uh, for US listeners, uh, Summer Heights High is on HBO what night? Sunday night. Sunday nights. It's at 10.30. Okay. So uh, <laughs> if, if you're in the US and you've got HBO, Sunday nights at yeah. 10.30, uh, everyone else buy it on DVD because it's available. Are you one of those that follows the ads? Follows the ads. Get me a jury and show me how you can say in July. Go down on you. Brett Cropley does not buy. There's uh, ads on at the moment for a some country band who are uh, coming out from the states called Brooks and Dunn, and they're playing at the tennis center. I've never heard of them. I've uh, I've got some of their slacks. <laughs> and uh, the ad features Casey Brooks on the phone talking about how excited he is to be coming to Australia again. Um, so I completely missed them the first time. But um, are these guys from such a backwater in, in Alabama or wherever they're from, you know, being the country players that they are, that they don't have recording studios over there that they could record into an actual microphone? <laughs> We zip it up into an MP3 no, that, that, and then the email it across to uh, to the advertising producers over in this country. That's the band's gimmick. All their records are done that way as well. Uh, All their records are performed down a phone. That's like Bob Log third. Yeah, so you, you, uh, it makes it feel intimate. Like it's just for you. Really? And, and yeah. In fact, oh, in oh, fact wow. the, the pants the pants I have were made <laughs> down the by phone. the phone. Yeah. <laughs> really? They're great though. So yeah. so hang on, it's just it's just a recording of him. Talking down it's the him phone talking line. on the phone and, and with the, so there's, the regular there's no voiceover vision. dude. There's no vision of him talking on the phone. No, no, no. Is no. there a picture of a phone? Does it have voice of written next to it? No, there's there's kind of cheesy country dudes in, in cowboy hat footage with uh, guitars. Was it... Uh, do you think he actually called someone uh, making the ad saying, I'm really excited to be coming to Australia? Or he was just talking to a friend and someone's tapped into his phone... <laughs> It's, actually, and, uh, it's an ad for wiretapping. You see, their their touring agents should uh, should be a little more organised than that. I think. Well, I think you'll be laughing on the other side of your face when uh, Brooks and Dunn sell out their shows and, and their uh, slacks and their singing slacks. the telephone. Yeah, maybe I do buy it. I don't. Yeah, hi, good day. I'm Katrina Mathers, and I'm on the box cutters. How cool's that? You've turned it round. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So if we're now on the challenge, but I don't buy this. Just turn the person turn around. Turn the person around. Yeah. And then see, see how it goes. It's been done before. 
John, you uh, you were watching the uh, the US election. <laughs> was there an election? Yes, I was. It was great. Um, I was actually at work for, for sort of most of the day, and I was a bit worried because it was a bit like I've, I followed the team all year and was missing the grand final. Mm. But my big plan was to get to the Birmingham Hotel, um, which is on Smith Street, uh, Corey Smith in, and Johnson in Collingwood, right, in Collingwood in uh, Fitzroy that side. But you can see Collingwood from from yeah, from the road. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not the end of the world. Yeah, the, the Birmingham famously got uh, taken over recently, and, and they went with the slogan, "The Birmingham, it's not shit anymore," <laughs> <laughs> which was painted. And it, oh, it's beautiful, beautiful is thing. That, is, is that the one that's on the corner of Johnson? Yeah, and it, it was a neo-Nazi pub for quite a while. Yeah, I remember. Uh, terrible, 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 place. terrible, terrible place. Not anymore. It's not shit anymore. They did a big broadcast. They had a big thing of going, we'll be showing on the big screen in the band room all the results from the US election. So I rushed my way across the city after work to get there and got there in time for the fantastic speech Obama did, the acceptance speech. Um, But the interesting thing was, we've talked a lot on the show about how television's falling apart and it's not the thing that draws us together anymore and everyone, you know, downloads and and podcasts and simul tubes and, and does all the things, you know, like we don't, we don't kind of, it doesn't bring us together anymore. And then I'm standing in a band room with 150 people watching telly and I went, hang on, this is actually, it still has the power to do this. And I sent an email to you guys going, I, I seem to remember that this happens, I mean, the sporting events, obviously people go to pubs all the time to yes. watch. Yeah, big screen sporting events. But two of my best friends met each other at uh, watching the Grand Prix at a pub that, and uh, fell in love. That's and, a beautiful and got story. Yeah, also a bit weird, but beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was great. But then it occurred to me that um, this was actually there, there is a, a, a tradition of this, isn't there? Because um, as well as you know us all gathering to watch the the the, the big screen politics. Actually, my absolute favourite part in the evening was um, Obama said because every so often we'd cheer, the Fitzroy crowd would cheer, and he went. And to those watching beyond our shores, huddled around a radio in a forgotten corner of the world, we all went, Way! <laughs> That's us! We're Australians and we're shit! <laughs> that was my absolute favourite part of the time. I was, I was listening to that on my crystal set. <laughs> the, the, uh, and so, and so, you were trying to think of of other other well, events. Yeah, and that... it, suddenly, it suddenly occurred to me that I, I certainly remember. Certainly in the nineties, it was quite popular in in um, in the kind of yeah. A lot of gay bars would do Melrose Place nights. Was a, was a really big one. A lot, which... a lot, a lot of straight bars as well. Was Melrose? So Melrose Place was a, a Melrose Place was a crossover. It brought people together. Um, well, the, the thing is, the chicks would go. Uh, to watch Melrose this is at, at the straight bars. Obviously, mm-hmm. the chicks would go to watch Melrose, and the boys would go to wait until Melrose was over, and the chicks had drunk enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, was the way I remember it. And I think Brett, then you were saying, saw Sex in the City had a yeah, Sex in the City. I, I think in the last uh, season, kind of generally, and especially in your, like your cocktail bars and stuff, mm-hmm. where they'd sell the Manhattans and Cosmos. Um, but especially for the last episode, there were there were massive uh, public viewings, screenings of it. And well, I, I remember being uh, at the uh, Builders Arms, also in Fitzroy, for the final episode of the first series of Big Brother. That okay. was uh, the, that was quite a, a big event. But isn't it interesting the that, that these events, especially the the your dramas, they're intended for you to watch them at home. You know, maybe maybe with a friend. And the idea that, that we've sort of then turned them into these big screen events is quite interesting to. To well, take television and do that with it. Uh, there was a, an amazing thing in, in St Kilda where people would go to pubs in St Kilda to watch Secret Life of Us. 
to kind of go, that's us. That's, Look at us. That's us, but it's kind of not us because we've come from Moorabbin. Uh, to, to, <laughs> well, watch, to watch Secret Life of Us and, and live vicariously, and this is as close as we're going to get, it, it was a really weird concept, but people would come together to watch drama in one place. And that's why it's always fascinating to think that television still does have that power to bring us together in public, but not necessarily in our homes anymore, which is an old kind of... Well, yeah, I, I used to go over to, to a, a friend's house and a number of us would, would go over to this one friend's house every Monday night mm-hmm. to watch Friends. Okay. So, so yeah. we would all, even though we all had our own televisions, we'd all get together to watch Friends every week. Well, it was a communal thing. Because Friends was such a big uh, drinking game show and so there's no point having a drinking game with yourself. Well, no, we didn't drink, though. We just we, we oh, would really? watch it and we would feel for the characters and laugh with the characters and... Uh, and essentially do that same thing where we go, ah, oh, we wish that was our lives. When um, Sarah Palin, you're did, so Rachel. <laughs> when Sarah Palin did the the vice presidential debate with Joe Biden, there was a, um, a Sarah Palin bingo drinking card produced online where um it every had time certain, she said you better. Well, there were certain <laughs> words, yeah, and you got to cross them off and have a drink as you went, and eventually you could go bingo. I got <laughs> Maverick, yeah. So it was like you know, it was it was four different cards with different selections of terms that she commonly used, sort of spread over them. Um, I was also thinking, uh, I think it was last year or the year before, someone told me the Gay Pride Rally in London um, was due to finish in Trafalgar Square on the same night as the final episode of Doctor Who. And the whole gay Doctor Who thing in England is this bizarre sort of crossover. Hmm. So they actually arranged to have a big screen and to have John Barrowman come out. <laughs> To introduce the episode, because otherwise I'm worried everyone would go home <laughs> early. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and I just thought it, it's just fascinating because I don't know whether the shows do the shows get better uh, through this experience, and and can TV stations do anything with this? Is there any way they can benefit from from this I approach? I don't think so, but I think you really know that you've got a hit when people are congregating to 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 watch one of your shows together on mass, mm-hmm. and we did I, see it with Underbelly. Not in Victoria. There were no pubs that were... Yes, oh, there, there was, was that one pub. Yeah. They got into trouble. They did get into trouble. <laughs> uh, the, uh, and nobody turned up because everyone had already seen it as well. <laughs> this, was the, this was the thing. Uh, Sorry, I missed this story. Give me more. What, what happened? Oh, this, uh, they put it off the satellite feed that was going to... Tasmania. Alice Springs, I think. Oh, Alice they Springs, they oh, missed the it? first one but grabbed it on the second one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and so they were, they were showing it in the pub. But because so many people in Victoria already had pirated copies of Underbelly, <laughs> no one really turned up to the pub and they still got hit with a major fine, uh, which, uh, you know, it's quite a, a philosophical, it's quite a, quite a philosophical uh, concept of uh, if you show a television but nobody watches. <laughs> does it still do, break the law? Does it still break the law? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it, it is that whole catch-22 for, uh, for, for networks as well because if you've got hundreds of people going to one venue to watch a show, mm-hmm. uh, they're not at home counting the show on their on the ratings. on their ratings box. Yeah, that uh, one in twenty thousand. But you know, if they go to a, if that one person in twenty thousand goes to a pub and takes the box with them, well, they can't take the box with them. So how? So they just lose that ratings point. That's it. It's mm-hmm. gone. So uh, that really comes down to to the question of is it a good thing or is it a bad thing are they doing that you know 
should there be a census of people watching television well, in public? Because we talked about how um, there is that sense that, that uh, standard broadcasting free-to-air channels don't quite know what to do with themselves at this moment. And it's, it's, I think one of the things where, yet again, it's another option. It's like going, because cinemas are actually going the other way. Cinemas have started doing uh, live broadcasts of operas. And yes, I've noticed that. So places like the Nova, I think, were actually, yeah, like live from the Met in you know, New York or something. There's been this weird kind of using digital really? projectors to actually allow a cinema to show live feeds of material that uh, appeal to a niche market that, that a TV station would never play. And it's just kind of interesting to see that there's this, this weird jumble now of different sort of, you know, public and private, you know, screening facilities and whether there's some way that, that uh, Channel 9 can can go, yes, let's play all our films in pubs from now on. <laughs> well, it's almost like that if it if it has enough of a groundswell of, of uh, appeal, then they're going to be killing it in the ratings anyway before people are actually going out on their own, mm-hmm. Like as long as it's not an organised event. If, if these things are just popping up spontaneously, then I think it's just symbolic of it being such a hit anyway. And good luck to everyone. Yeah. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good yeah. luck to everyone. Yeah. We don't have a, an intro for this no, once a, segment. Once upon a time, Arthur Fonzarelli and the Cunninghams went to Hawaii. And uh, somebody challenged... Was it Hawaii or just California? Oh, maybe it was just California. Oh, I think it was California. Oh, sorry. It was Brady Bunch went to Hawaii. Uh, so, uh, yes, uh, Arthur Fonzarelli and the Cunninghams uh, and Potsy and Ralph Melf, mm. they all went to California and somebody challenged Fonzie at some stage, and Fonzie went, "Well, I'll show you, and I'll water ski over a shark tank, and uh, and well, a shark in a cage in the ocean in his leather jacket. In his leather jacket, a shark was wearing a leather jacket. <laughs> yes, that makes no sense. Well, that's why he no, had to jump over. It was a cool it. shark. Hey, <laughs> it was like Jabberjaw. Little, little fins going up. Hey, just just like Jabberjaw." And thus, shark jumping was born. Brett Cropley, you think you've got a uh, an early notice shark I, jumping? I, I think I saw. I think I saw somebody distinctly jumping a shark last week. Uh, now we did. It did uh, get mentioned in passing just uh, earlier in the show. Bones. Yes, has only jumped the shark now. With, do you think? He, 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 Did you not see the first episode, Brad? <laughs> <laughs> it used to be okay. It used to be kind of kind of said in in scientific terms. It and, was the, the and, 3D hologram scanning thing I saw in one episode that made me go, "What the hell is this?" Um, y- y- yes, um, <laughs> I could I could go with that. You know, we're talking about the Smithsonian scientific. Division, right? Um, which never kind of really Full made of a lot of sense science. to me either. Yeah. No, but uh, warehouses and, and stuff like that. But um, at the end of uh, the episode last Monday, a crazy stalker uh, had uh, been chasing around Booth, who's uh, played by David Boreanaz. Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Um, and uh, went to shoot Bones. When uh, Booth inadvertently stepped into the path of the bullet, and uh, the episode closed with with him on the floor with a bullet hole in his chest, with bones over him, saying, "Hold on, Booth, hold on!" Having just shot the stalker in the neck because she just <laughs> grabbed his gun and right, you're out of there. Um, as we open on the next episode, Bones is reticent to go to Booth's funeral, having the ultra rationalist science type 
uh, and uh, tending to criticise anyone who puts any credence in any sort of god or afterlife, but eventually gives in and attends. Suddenly there's a stranger in attendance at the funeral, and one of the Marines who are lined up about to let off the uh, 21-gun salute, we have many they were going to uh, let off in the Guard of Honour, wrestles the man to the ground, and the Marine turns out to be Booth. And so... How are they explaining it? They don't. It was just a, a flash forward. And uh, all we get is Bones being shitty at Booth because she wasn't informed that he wasn't really dead. There's not no, going no explanation. No, no explanation at all. No. I'm my evil twin. Nothing like that. No kind of... What? He, he didn't die, but it didn't go into at the scene how she watched him die why? and then suddenly he wasn't dead and why would they have a funeral for someone who wasn't dead because it was it was all about drawing this guy out into the open so that they could arrest him expensive expensive way of doing it yes think of the catering <laughs> yeah at the very least all of that it's just stupid cliffhanger shenanigans and absolutely ridiculous that is nonsense so uh, so joking so so, shark. so is that dead to you now it's both um, dead to you it depends on if they if they can if they try and kind of keep with this bullshit basically. how was david borealis borealis aurora borealis how how is he ever how, i mean he's such a dreadful actor in everything and yet he has his ongoing career you know? well it's really interesting because he plays this fbi agent and and he he calls all the scientists squints as it's, it's kind of like he's trying to uh break free of his his buffy angel uh fan base because he was terrible in that as well i mean you know it's a got, brilliant show in better. which he is bad he got better though if you watch him in the uh, in the first series of buffy mm-hmm. you watch him in the last couple of series of angel uh he definitely got better but uh <laughs> he he had never acted before like it was just weird and still hasn't. How but do you I mean, get the jobs? Yeah, three ongoing series this man's now had. You know, it's just... It's weird. Yeah, it is very weird. Mm. The guy repulsed me. I have a letter Did you read it? You're a godsend. Save you. No, I'm, I'm just the postman. The postman. The postman. The postman. Letters to box cutters. We had a, a number of SMSs. A lot of stuff this week. You can, yeah. s- you can send a text to 0458 Cutter. I promise I would never say the numbers <laughs> ever again. But use Cutter on your phone. It's yeah, fine. just use Cutter. Press uh, the Cutter button. Just pre- <laughs> pretend that you're texting, but it's 0458 Cutter and uh, send us an SMS. Uh, we, uh, we, we got one from, I'm guessing this person's name is Batters. Hey, box cutters, go cut some boxes on a different topic. How the hell does RSPCA, Animal Rescue, and other shows of the same nature get a prime time slot? Cheers, batters. It's a question we can't answer, really. It's, it's, it's a great question. People but, watch you know, it. People, people okay, are watching it. People love watching animals. That's that's always been the case. People really like watching. <laughs> but this is animals in pain, isn't it? So people really like seeing animals in pain. Well, it's the combination of animals. And medical reality series, medical documentary series. I believe the term is medical-based observational documentaries. Yes. I think that's the phrase you're looking for. So this is animal medical-based observational documentaries, <laughs> yeah. which is two, two concepts that naturally go together. And, uh, and the networks think, well, we're definitely on, on a winner. Uh, if you don't like it, though, batters, don't watch it because uh, if you don't watch it and you tell all your friends not to watch it, maybe one of your friends has uh, a 
ratings box. Yeah, you, you can make box. it stop, Batters. You yeah. can make it. You can create change. Yes, you can. Try. Just try, yes, Batters. Yes, Keep we just can. can. Yes, we can. But the pairs. <laughs> um, uh, Paddy uh, texted to ask about uh, Charlton's new sports channel. So hopefully we've answered that question for you, Paddy. Yeah. Um, I'm, this is my favorite text this week. They have started two and a half men from the beginning again. It's worse than MASH. <laughs> we don't know who that's from. No, either. That just came in as that. No, no idea who that one was from. And uh, a, a really, really long one. Now, this was not an email. This was a text. So bear that in mind with your 160 characters. I was going to make a comment about the last episode, but I just realised that the new episode has probably been released, so my comments won't be taken into consideration till next week and will most likely be ignored, as there would be less to do about anything that you would have said in the last episode, which, in fact, will be the next episode that I listen to. So, uh, good work, guys. Anon. Um, Oh, P.S. (laughs) T-shirt, yes, as long as it's free, because I don't pay for free T-shirts. Otherwise, they wouldn't be free. He goes on and on. That was brilliant. That came over 406 separate separate texts that you had to rearrange into order. It was quite lovely. It was great. Thank you very much, Anon, who prefers to to be Mm. known as Anon. And please keep sending us your T-shirt, yes, T-shirt, no uh, comments as well. John, have you got something else? Just a couple more. Um, Gary Boxcutter. Um, just that he's, he's been listening to the show for a few months and really enjoying it. A few months would make that basically since I've been on. So thanks, Gary, for having, <laughs> <laughs> having joined us. Um, uh, he wanted to mention he's read Lost Season 5 returns to the US on the 21st of January. Um, I think we might have mentioned that, but we'll mention, mention it again because there's a lot of Lost fans. And, uh, and we'll, um, I'm guessing, be shown on Channel 7 the Thursday after. And, uh, and Peter, um, Peter, it's an interesting thing. Um, he'd be interested in hearing... A discussion on Channel 10 and all the issues going on there at the moment, and with the uh, changes in schedules, ratings down, etc. Um, which we were saying, we, we just take that as granted for how Channel 10 works. So we're a bit confused. Well, yeah, as to just, how this I, Channel 10 business is normal, as far as I, I did. Grows over an article today uh, talking about uh, Channel 10's seven o'clock slot and how badly that has worked, or how well that hasn't worked <laughs> this year. Yeah, um, well, where I, they just haven't been able to catch a break, and they've gone through friends, they've gone through taken out, they've gone through uh, what else? Is it? Yeah, what, what's what's what uh, they back to at the moment? Simpsons, they've got I'm like half a dozen things. Futurama, yeah. whatever. They they just keep throwing stuff at that. Actually, it's back to Futurama again, isn't it? So it's always double episodes of Futurama. I, no, that's Wednesday where okay. they had the Big Cat Family show on for oh, a yes. week. Yeah, and uh, then. Uh, the, uh, what, what they uh, what they need to to do, I think, is uh, two and a half men because it's <laughs> it's worked really well. The, the seven o'clock slot has always been a problem for Channel Ten. Uh, they've only ever made Simpsons work at that time slot, but uh, Simpsons or Seinfeld repeats sometimes. Uh, but other other times, it's just been a problem time slot, and that's because. Today, tonight, and a current affair are getting such great ratings as as, as far as the well, say, the combination goes, and they just get a flow on because neighbours at six thirty doesn't really give you a flow on audience. I don't think neighbours kind of leads naturally into anything. No, you know, like people watch The Simpsons at six and then change channel. So I don't really know. Yeah, what what do you do with a neighbours audience? What do you do with them? You put them over on channel five. That's my understanding. <laughs> That is entirely my understanding. That is uh, letters to Boxcutters. You can send your letters to hooray at boxcutters.net. Leave a comment on the blog at boxcutters.net or send us a text to 0458 
cutter. Okay, question three. Which canal? Are all these going to be about war? No, I got loads of. I got one on tennis. One on the Suez Canal. Loads. Okay, question three. Which canal links the Mediterranean with the Red Sea? Last week's quiz question was read by Johnny Young. It was. He came he's, in specially to do it. He's not here now. Do we, uh, do we have Johnny Young? Oh, he, should, we... he should be here. Hang on a bit. He'd be hiding the box. Hang Johnny, come out. Johnny, Johnny. it's perfectly safe. Oh, hang on. Johnny, where are you? <laughs> I do need to uh, plug Johnny in. We're just giving Johnny some oxygen. Hang on a second. Johnny? Johnny, are you there? <laughs> Hello, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny we... we're bringing you back. Johnny. Oh, it's like Ghost Whisperer, isn't it? It's, it's exactly what I'm trying to do. Yeah. No, but, but less cheeky. No, 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 no. But the funny thing is he looks exactly like Jennifer Love Hewitt when he's doing that. True. It's, uh, yeah. True. I'm, I'm thin with giant breasts. I find <laughs> it hard to uh, hold back. Really. You can actually check that out on the, uh, the video podcast. There is no video podcast. There isn't. There's none there. But what I love most is uh, when I'm in the studio with Josh in his uh, little negligee. It's, you know what? I'm not going to wear it again. Barely. I'm not going to wear it again because Holding you just... Him in. <laughs> You always make fun of him when he wears it. You do. You do. I'm sick of it. Have we got Johnny Young or not? Because I, uh, really, I'd just rather get on and, and tell the... Uh, <laughs> the we, question was... We could just cut yeah, this bit on. out again, but you know. Go. <laughs> okay. The question was, can you name four members of the Young Talent team? In five seconds. In five seconds. There was a time limit on this one, which we've never done before for an internet-based <laughs> question. And, uh, and uh, Daniel Kilby wrote in... Uh, to, he says he did this without even referring to Wikipedia. Uh, and he named Bevan Adensall, Joey, Joey Peroni, mm-hmm. Tina Arena, and John Bowles. Who was my favourite too, I might, I might add, John Bowles. He says that also as a side note, there was a CD reissued in 2000 of Tina Arena and John Bowles recordings, obviously by a record, record executive who hates Tina and resents her ever having a career. <laughs> Um, oh, there was also a couple of other entries. I really like the fact that um, Gavin Smith entered, but actually ran out of time. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> he entered with Tina Arena, Danny Minogue, Sally Boyden, D- oh, time's up, I'm afraid. <laughs> Damn you, Johnny Young, in your five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Daniel Kilby, congratulations. You are the winner of this week's Crumpler Quiz, and you will be receiving a thirsty owl in blue slash light blue. Mm-hmm. Thirsty Owl, as we've discussed before, is a small crumpler pouch that uh, you can put things like a mobile phone or a small digital camera into. Thanks very much to Crumpler. You can find them on the web at crumpler.com.au. Daniel uh, will be in touch during the week to tell you how you can receive your prize. No quiz this week because uh, guests get all the goodies when they come in. It's very uh, true. But uh, a camouflage uh, career bag next week, I believe. Ooh. So uh, we'll have to come up with a hard question. Oh, definitely. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. And that brings mm, us to the end. Pork. Brings us to the end of Box Cutters. Can I episode? mention really quickly? I know Very quickly. Look, it's been done everywhere, but hey, CNN, hologram. What the hell was that crap about? Well, not I, a hologram. It was not a hologram. No. Full stop. No. But I, I, I really loved that they did that the week after we had the comment uh, about uh, 
about Channel 9 newsreader turning around to speak to the green screen that as had if, James as if Talia. it was there. Yeah, and then they went one step further. For those who didn't see it, CNN, um, in, their, in their live uh, election broadcast, pretended they had a hologram appearing on stage in front of um, Wolf Blitzer. Wolf Blitzer is the man's name. Imagine going through life as Wolf Blitzer. That's just bizarre. And then, yeah, and they had uh, they they had some uh, some woman journalist beam in mm. and uh, and say, uh, "Help me, President-elect Obama, you're <laughs> only hope." Yes, and also, "Will I <laughs> am?" They talked to as well, the producer who managed. They, to, really, they took they to really "Will I am," yeah. and he managed to make the interview entirely about him. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's in his name, really. But um, yes, you can find various YouTube clips, and really, there's nothing more we can add to it. It's just, it's just why. So why? They, they could do, they could make James a hologram as well by having him on the green screen, but then having green screen behind him with TV monitors of the studio behind him. Oh yeah, uh, kind of flat. They wouldn't be able to do the slow pan. Or they could, uh, I don't know, use that money and technology to cure disease. And or then, actually come up with holograms. Hey, us, I, I just wanted to... Oh, uh, bloody hell. You knew that I wanted to do this. Channel 7... Uh, and I said, you can't do it. You won't 7, have time. Channel 7 are blitzing, speaking of blitzers. Uh, the, blitzing. The uh, ratings with Packs of the Rafters. But they do insist on making it later and later and later. And they're they're going to turn me off if they keep it up. I'm, I'm going to give up. And uh, I, I reckon there's a lot of other viewers out there that are feeling the same way. Yeah, take that seven. Yeah, that was barely even pork. You could have just left that for your live journal, Brett. <laughs> I don't have a live journal. So this is this is my live journal. That this is what us, I have to bring here. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 156. I want to say thanks very much to Yael Bergman for coming in and telling us all about independent television production in Australia. I want to say thanks, of course, to Crumpler, who are our giveaway sponsors. You can do that. I also want to say thanks to 3RRR, whose studios we use for recording this podcast each and every week. You can find them on the interwebnet tubes. rr.org.au. Uh, any day now we're going to have a new website up, but uh, you can listen anywhere in the world. Yes. Yes, you can. rrr.org.au. Or on just your regular radio, if you're local, 102.7 on the FM band. If you want to email us, hooray at boxcutters.net, hooray. and you can text us to 0458-CUTTER. Cutter. And uh, also check out just, our delicious feed. Check out the delicious feed, which is delicious.com slash boxcutters. No, it's not. Uh, it's not delicious.com, is it? Yeah, it's delicious.com slash boxcutters. dot us <sighs> we'll You're be so-, so 2007, Brett. Really? <laughs> uh, we'll be simultubing all week. So, uh, yeah, real flat. <laughs> Brett is uh, on Twitter as Bbox. I'm on Twitter as Sealfer. John, I refuse to be on Twitter. Thank you. I'm on Whipper as well as Bbox, and uh, Plurk is Bbox. Oh, I have yeah. a website though. So yeah, yes, Outland, you do. Outland Institute uh, dot WordPress dot com or some other variation of that. <laughs> <laughs> Just Google it, Outland Institute. It's all me. And don't forget about our blog at boxcutters.net until and catch next... Ross on uh, Smacker. He's not on Smacker anymore. He's gone off Smacker. Oh really? Yeah. I don't he's know not what he's on, on the Smacker anymore. No, I don't know what he's on now. I'm on Smith Street quite commonly. <laughs> um, often at Vibe, the cafe there. Should you want to buy me coffee? <laughs> Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Mm-hmm.